0: Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Church, have you ever asked yourself what it means to have God with you? Have God with you. Have you ever desired, and I think all of us have at some point... So hopefully that we currently desire this as well, but have we ever desired to be walking with God, to truly be walking with the Lord, not just figuratively, but to truly walk with him? We have this desire within us to be close to him, to be near our Lord, our God. And it's because we're meant for a community, more than just community with one another, but community With God himself. Deep within each one of us, and though we lie to ourselves sometimes, but deep within each one of us, we desire to be as close with God as possible. Do we not? Now the good news is that because God became man, because Jesus died upon the cross, because Jesus rose again and lives now, we not only may walk with God, but we may abide with him and he with us. Abide. It's a word that's not used very often, isn't it? The Greek word for abide, meno, is translated as abide over 60 times in the scriptures, with St. John using it the most in his gospel, and continuing to emphasize abiding with the Lord God in his first epistle, which we also read from today. Now, primarily, the scriptures use it to mean remaining someplace, staying not departing. The key concept is to continue with or also to dwell, which is another way in which menno is translated in our English Bibles. The Lord wishes for us to remain with him and not to depart from his presence. The fact that he even allows us in his presence is magnificent. When the Lord Jesus Christ asks us to abide with him, he's inviting us to dwell with him. This is amazing news because John 336 tells us, quote, He believes, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Meanwhile, he who believes not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. On this side of the resurrection, we find ourselves no longer abiding in God's wrath, but now abiding with God in His majesty's presence. No longer are we fearful of of dwelling in God's holy presence, but we're actually told that we unholy creatures can now abide in His presence. No longer must we cower at the bottom of the mountain, at the bottom of the mountain with an intercessor going up for us, Asking Moses, go forth and you talk to the Lord God. We cannot bear it. Now, God himself comes down as a man. And invites us to lift up our hearts and to be united with him. Now naturally the question should come with each one of us. How do we abide with God? And the answer to this question is found in John 6 verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. The same word that's translated as dwelleth is the same word that's translated for abiding with God. We abide with him by becoming one with him. As we join together in faith and receive the common meal of bread and wine that are no longer common, but are now sanctified and made holy by the word of God, prayed over it. However, It's more than simply receiving the bread and the wine that is the body and blood of our Christ. For Jesus tells us in John 8, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. This time the word translated as continue is the same word for abiding. And so Jesus is telling us that if we abide in his word, then we are his disciples indeed. And this is the same point that John will make not only in his gospel, but also in his epistle, when he tells us, if we wish to abide with Jesus, then we must also keep His commandments. Now Jesus tells us, "I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believe it and whosoever believe in me should not abide in darkness. I've come as a light to the world, that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness." You and I, we were once children of darkness. And we abided in that darkness gladly and willingly. But now for those of us who believe upon God the Son, we may abide in Him just as He abides with the Father. For Jesus tells us that the Father abides in Him, and the Father does the works that are in Christ Jesus. So Christians, this is why we cannot be lax or be lazy in our walk. For if we're truly Christians who believe on the Son, That he truly is risen from the dead. And therefore he is God Almighty. Then we must follow him. And following him does not mean trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. What it does mean is abiding in him. And what does that entail? It's foreshadowed in John 14 verse 16. And I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Once again, to dwell is the same to abide. And now we have this promise, this promise of the Comforter, the very Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Christ, coming to dwell within us. Pentecost is coming. Pentecost is coming. The Spirit of God is coming. And Christians, on this side of the resurrection, the Spirit of God lives within you and within me. So when it comes to dwelling with the Lord God Almighty and doing the good works that He created us to do, we should focus on Christ alone and abiding in Him. For if we truly abide in Him, then good works shall flow out of us. Why? Because as Jesus taught us in John 15, He is the vine and we are the branches. Indeed, he is the vine, for the branches derive their very life from the vine. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, flows through us as we are the branches that stem off of the vine that is Jesus, the living vine. Jesus promises that those who abide in this living vine will bring forth much fruit. Not may, not should, but will bring forth much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing, says our Lord. What happens if we do not abide with him? In John 15, in verse 6, a branch which does not abide with the Lord Jesus Christ is cast forth as a branch. It's withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. However, the gospel tells us in verse 7 of chapter 15 that if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Because St. John is continuously hammering, isn't he? He's continuously hammering to us in his gospel, in his epistle. And in his gospel, in chapters 14 and 15, he continuously is hitting us over the head, explaining to us that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel is something that doesn't want a part of us. That God doesn't want some of our time. The Lord doesn't want A tithe of us. He wants all of us. He wants all of us. For we are his. And he is ours. We're either living branches on the vine. Or we're dead branches that will be cut off. Now Jesus tells us, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now is not the time to claim that that we have time to sit down, to rest upon our laurels. Now is not the time for us to not act like as though we have been called to the plow. Now is not the time to act like that we have faith in Christ without repentance from our sins. Now is not the time to sit upon the vine and not bear fruit. When John writes to the church in his first epistle, he tells us in chapter 3, verse 15, We know that we have passed from death into life. We know that we have passed from death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So there's the test. Do we abide in love? In loving the brother? What does it look like to abide in death? Look at verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John sounds exactly like the one that he followed, his master, Jesus Christ. That if we have so much as anger in our hearts, and we have committed murder in our hearts, and no Murderer shall have eternal life, he says. John also sounds like St. James in his own epistle when he states again in verse 17, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need and then closes his heart from compassion towards them, how can the love of God abide in him? Indeed, how can the love of God abide in him when we have something that a brother needs but we have no compassion? That we give not?" But instead, we simply take and take and take. Now, John is challenging us. John sees what happens when people receive the good news that sins are forgiven, but there's no repentance and no abiding in the Lord. John, James, and Paul, each one of them, each of them chastise these false believers who are lying to themselves and lying to others, lying to themselves and to others. That Jesus' sacrifice means that we can sin again and again and again without any consequence. That's a lot easier to hear, isn't it? That's a false gospel that blesses us where we are and does not demand a new birth, it does not demand new life, it does not demand carrying our cross as servants of the living God. But we're busy bodies, aren't we? Especially today. We don't want to abide, do we? We don't want to dwell. We want to wander hopelessly. We want to venture out and do our own plan, to do our own thing, while despising the plan of the Lord. Especially when those plans involve loving our enemies, helping those who we do not wish to help, and turning our cheek after that first blow lands upon our face. But we don't get to choose what it looks like when it comes to living the life that God has created for us. The commandments of God no longer condemn us as sinners destined for death, because Christ is risen from the dead. But now, life has been given to us. The Comforter has been given to us. Our Lord has given us the deposit of His very own Spirit. So when He returns, I have a question for you. When He returns, what will you have to show with what you have done through that generous gift of the Spirit? Christian, do not be like the servant in Jesus' own parable who when he received a great deposit, he buried it into the ground until his master returned. It's time to invest the spirit that you have received and I have received upon the works of the spirit and to reap a return for our master. Because when it comes to the ways of the world, none of us would bury newfound money in the ground. Instead, we would invest Now why do we bury the most valuable gift known to man, the very Spirit of God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, into the back of our hearts, into the corner of our minds, instead of letting our cup overflow into the lives of those who need the good news and who need the Spirit of God in their lives? Now I pose this question from at the beginning of our sermon here, of what does it look like to abide in Christ Jesus? What does it look like to have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within you? St. John answers that question in verse 24 of the Epistle. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. Our God dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. He has tabernacled with us. He has turned us from vessels of wrath from servants of Satan, from minions of evil, and he has cleansed us into a temple where he may abide. Do you take that seriously, Christian? Or are you polluting the temple of God by continuing to excuse your own sins? Give them no further excuse, for Christ has died for your sins. Give them no more a foothold in your life, for you have been bought at a great price. Leave no stone unturned. As your temple rests upon the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus. For church, you are no longer your own. You belong now to the good shepherd. You're called to follow him, to be beacons of light to your children, and to your grandchildren, and to your family, and to your co-workers, and to your neighbors. But this yoke is easy, and this burden is light, so long as we abide in Jesus. We branches need pruning from time to time, and yes, this will cause pain, but it will enable further growth as the vine of Jesus bears much fruit through us. We drink of the fruit of the vine, the blood of Jesus, because we pray each week as we are about to pray to worthily receive, to be filled with his grace, and to be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we May we, church, endure by remaining upon the rock of Christ and through abiding in him. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.